Well, uh, a lot of talk about today. We were on a missions trip to Portugal and Spain, and uh, I could spend hours actually uh, talking about that. But the big idea on the trip was to, in Portugal, to go to Portugal and just pray and ask God uh, how we might uh, partner with what God is doing there and to get a feel of what is God doing there. There's a vineyard which was uh, started a, a couple of years ago. They're small. They're just trying to gather people. And we have a group of pastors uh, in vineyards, mostly in Mass, but also in California, uh, which are working together to see if we can get vineyard churches planted and run by locals, not Americans, uh, to uh, advance the gospel. Well, uh, just mentioning California, of course, there's been all the earthquakes in, in California, and uh, I just want to pray quickly, Lord, we just pray for our country, we pray for those that are involved in uh, their family, and just pray for protection and blessing uh, on them, despite pretty trying times. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Uh, you know, the earthquake is kind of interesting because there was a massive earthquake in Lisbon in 1755, and people are still talking about it today. When we were there, that's okay, the earthquake. You know, like, when was this earthquake? Was it like last month? And they're like, oh no, it was 1755. I'm like, why would you still be talking about that earthquake? But it absolutely it caused a fire throughout the city, it devastated the city, and uh, Lisbon. Um, Kevin, I've got a photo there of somewhere. Lisbon is like a city built on seven hills. And it's super hilly. It's an earthquake area. And one of the things which totally devastated the city, besides the fire, was that people were in the cathedral, and the cathedral's roof collapsed. And so this, people had, uh, like, okay, we, you know, God is not helping us out. Uh, it's kind of interesting, because we've got this psalm, on our wall, and one of the things we say, you know, is the Lord will uh, hide, we will hide, hide me in his sanctuary, and he will be a, you know, a place where we can have refuge. And yet, one of the tourist landmarks now is you can go to this cathedral with no roof because uh, it'll just collapse, and that's become a big tourist attraction. Anyway, but so we were at uh, in Lisbon, and we were up at this uh, sort of vantage point, and we were just praying for the city and just asking God, you know, uh, guide us and whatever not, and there were a group of pastors. And then after that, we were walking uh, back towards the pastor's house, and we came across this uh, this statue, which was the most bizarre thing in the world to me. I, I didn't take I did take a photo somewhere, but I couldn't find it. But it's a statue, but all around the bottom of the statue are tombstones, and they're like new tombstones. And I'm like, okay, pastor, explain to me what is going on here. Why would people come make tombstones and put the foot of the statue. He said to me, oh, it's a place where atheists come to pray. I said, hold on a second. Okay, explain that to me. I said, I know I'm in a foreign culture. I'm trying to learn what's going on yet. He said, no, no, no. This statue, uh, the guy in the statue was a doctor uh, that invented some breakthrough stuff, and it helps many people's lives. He said, but now what's happened is he's become like uh, a legend or somebody you go and pray to. So if you've got an illness then you come out of the statue and you pray to him and you hope that you'll be healed. And, and if you do get some sort of relief or healing or you, you don't get relief or healing and your kid dies or whatever, you bring that tombstone and you, you put it down there. 
And I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> this is a pretty unusual, pretty different, uh, but a big deal for them. I was walking back from this to the guy's house, and typically I, we're in a group of about 10 of us walking, and typically, I don't know, I'm always in the group, but this particular thing, I was just strolling at the back, and the group was getting further ahead of me, and uh, I walked past this guy, and he's sitting on the steps, and he's texting away, and uh, I walked by him, and as I walked by him, I feel like the Lord said to me, go back to him, I've got somebody to tell him. And I'm like, wait, he speaks Portuguese. <laughs> I don't know any Portuguese. Now, Sarah Billings uh, from Brazil, one of our elders, she was having a wonderful time in Portugal because she could speak Portuguese. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of awkward. Where's this going to go? So I go back to the guy and I say, listen, I don't know if you believe in God or not. But God told me to come and talk to you. Do you speak English? And the guy, <laughs> that's like, you know, what you call bad cultural experience. Like, you have foreign culture, and you tell them, do you speak English? And it's like, uh. But I had no other option. There's no even, I don't even, like, one word of Portuguese. And the guy responds in perfect English. Yes, I do. I said, oh. I said, okay, well, whether you believe in God or not, I do, and this is what I think he wants to say to you. He wants me to tell you that he knows about your life, that he loves you, and that you've got special leadership ability, and he wants you to use that. I'm not kidding you. This guy got so excited. He, firstly, he was emotional. He started bawling his eyes out, and he jumps up and he hugs me. And I'm like, then he wants to talk to me and tell me about his life. And I'm like, dude, i got to go. The guys will go around the corner, and if I lose them, I'll never find my way around here. So, bless you, see, I'm out of here. And they go, wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, so, you know, God just works in crazy ways, in crazy places, in, in ways which, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, God is just, God just works whether you're in Portugal or here or wherever. God is moving. God is alive. We had, uh, you know, talk, I want to talk today about parenting with an end in view. Like, how do we raise up our kids so that they can be blessed by the Lord? And I particularly want to hone in on uh, this proverb. It's Proverbs 22.6. And it says this, a very familiar proverb. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Okay, so God is telling us to direct our children, take some sort of initiative, that we will direct them, and then when they get older... They will own it, and they won't leave the, the way of the Lord. Now, of course, seeing uh, Spain it's in a different context, seeing it through the eyes of what, how parenting gets, happens and how people love their kids or whatever, you know, Portugal was interesting because it seems like the mindset there is you only want one kid, not two, one kid, and then you want to invest your whole life into that kid. I mean, it's just like... and even the pastor with a small little church plan, he's saying, man, he has a tough time with people committing to church because they want to do all the kid activities, whether it's young kids or old kids. They, they're one kid and they're going to invest their whole life and all their money in this kid and it just needs to be you know, phenomenal. We go to Spain and uh, we, I'm preaching at a family retreat. And in Spain, it was different. I mean, they, they also love kids. And we had this retreat, and uh, here's what we did for fun one 
evening, we had this color thing. So you get all the kids there, they hose them down with fire extinguishers with coloring, and the kids got crazy, and it was really, really great. But what was particularly interesting for raising kids in Spain, uh, given it's southern Spain and it's hot, is that the time frame, I just like, can't get my head around it. So this is the afternoon activity, and then at midnight is when the party starts for the kids. And then it's a dress-up party, and all the kids in their fireman outfits and doing whatever. And I'm like, it's midnight. I'm like, okay. So uh, we had a, a really good time in, in uh, this is a town called Antiquira. And then nearby, we go to a town which I, call, uh, which I love to go to called Asuna. And uh, there's another photograph here where I'm sitting with uh, some of our, our team. You notice the clingers, Sarah. And on the right-hand side is my uh, friend from this town. Uh, he's the English teacher in the Catholic school. And uh, we've become uh, pretty, pretty good friends. But there he's got his three kids. And uh, this photo is like at 12.30 at night because, of course, that's when the kids are playing soccer in the, in the town square and uh, you're eating ice cream. And uh, then around about one, they kind of go to bed. And, uh, yeah, different lifestyle. But, uh, you know, just, they just love their kids and uh, love to do uh, fun things with their kids. So on another night, uh, the night before we left Osuna, I said to Antonia, Antonia, I want to uh, speak, uh, I want to say goodbye to you. And he had a hugely busy day. And he said, okay, um, maybe I can meet you at about uh, 20 to 12 at night, and I'll bring the kids down for an ice cream, and uh, then we can talk. So we do, and uh, the kids have the ice cream, and then somehow or other his brother shows up, and he wanted me to pray for his brother, and the kids are getting antsy because now it's, we, we're talking and talking and talking, and it's now 12.30. And finally the kids, and you can see the age, I said, Dad, we're going to bed. And he said, okay, see you later, go. And they walk like three blocks to go, <laughs> go home alone. And, you know, the town's just super safe. It's a wonderful family town with, with all age groups. I mean, young kids, grandparents. There's a little tiny little university in the town, a little hospital. Uh, just a... It's wonderful to be in a town that's safe where the kids can just literally at 12.30 at night walk home, uh, no worry about really anything. Everybody kind of knows everybody. Uh, good place to be. But let me uh, talk about like when we're raising our kids and we're thinking about an end in view, what is it exactly that we would love our kids uh, to have? What attributes? Uh, what is it that we'd love our kids uh, to be? I mean, most of us don't have too much uh, debate or discussion about wanting our kids to be honest or wanting our kids to respect others or to have patience, having kids that have a lot of patience. I mean, there's an attribute which, you know, we'd love our kids to have more patience. Or to be disciplined, having kids that are, you know, well-disciplined, or kids that are highly self-motivated. You know, you don't have to push them. They want to do whatever they want to do, and it's good things that they're motivated to doing. Or how about uh, wanting our kids to have the quality of caring for others? And it's not just about them and what they can get for themselves, but actually wanting to uh, care for others and be kind and be known as a kid that's kind. 
Or what about having the attribute of saying, you know, my kid is just joyful. I mean, if you just think about your kid, you'd say, my kid just has a sunny disposition. He's just a joyful kid. Uh, How about this attribute, Uh, loving towards you as the parents and loving towards their friends. They actually enjoy friends and, and like them. And then how about having a vibrant faith in Christ? Where it's not, you know, you have a great faith in Christ and your kids don't, but your kids own it. They have a great faith in Christ. And the kids are self-motivated. They really do love Jesus. Uh, You know, they really do want to uh, pursue the things of the Lord. They're interested in, you know, Bible stories. They're interested in praying. uh, And they want to do things that are wholesome. And, uh, and uplifting. Well, I think this is exactly what church does. I think this is what uh, one of the huge benefits of raising your kids in church, because these are all Christian or biblical values. And these are things that we together want to instill in our kids. I mean, we want to empower you as parents. We want to be teaching the kids in children's ministry. We want to be... Ca- creating a community that's a safe place that, you know, if your kid's a little different, a little awkward, they've got friends here that they feel safe with. Or when we do, uh, you know, missions trips for them or other activities, they can be included and part of the church. And as leaders and as other parents in the church, we're saying, look, can we uh, do this together? Can we help our kids and love our kids uh, and see this come to be? Let me just pray and ask the Lord to just empower what I want to read here from Scripture. Jesus, I just pray for every person present, whether they are a teenager, a grandparent, or parents, or single people. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would empower my preaching, you would empower your word. Lord, that what you say in your word, we can apply in our lives, and we can see it come to fruition. So I just lift up your word now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I want to read a few scriptures one after another uh, to get the big idea here. In Mark 12, 31, Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's just a wonderful, lifelong challenge. And again, we're saying to our kids, can we... Can we get our kids to love somebody else, love their neighbors, not just be self-centered? In Luke 6.36, it's a command, you must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. I mean, this is just a wonderful command that the Lord is giving us. He says it's not optional to be compassionate. You must be compassionate. And we're trying to instill that value in our kids. We say to our kids, you must be compassionate. Have compassion for others. Uh, outward focus. And then Galatians 5:22 through 25, it's just a powerful phrase. Many of you had noticed, fruit of the Spirit. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy. So we're saying, look, if we can connect with God, we can connect with God's love. We can experience God's love. Uh, We can love others because of that. And not only that, we can experience the joy that God gives us. We should experience that joy 
and others should be able to see that joy in us. Uh, it produces peace and patience. There's a sense that when we connect with God, when God is real in our lives, we have a sense of peace and patience because God is in control and we're not. And we can say, God, help us with all our difficulties. But in a similar way, we're saying we want our kids to experience God's peace. We want our kids to experience patience because they get it from God. It's not just us nagging at our kids. Uh, what about kindness, goodness, faithfulness? I mean, we're saying we want our kids to be good. We want them to be kind. We want them to be gentle. Uh, and what we're saying is God can do it in them and through them. When they receive the Lord, when they have the Holy Spirit residing within them, these are the qualities that should be coming out of them. Uh, so we experience this, uh, you know, these attributes of the, of the Lord. Uh, finally, in verse 23, gentleness and self-control. It says in verse 25, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then in 1 John 4.19, we love each other because He loved us. You know, many people would say, uh, in fact, I had a guy here coming to sort out the uh, internet or telephone or I don't know what he was from Verizon. He, you know, he came back here and we were yakking and uh, it, it was very interesting, his comment. He said, oh man, I wish my daughter would come to church. So I said, well, how old's your daughter? Uh, he said, well, he's 16. And I said, well, why do you wish that she'd come to church? She said, oh, because she's making all the wrong decisions. Okay, uh, so would you come to church? Oh, no, 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 I, no, I don't want to come to church. <laughs> okay, but you want your daughter to make good decisions. You have no interest in coming to church. I said, how is she going to learn those good decisions? And he pretty much admitted, like, it's game over. She's 16. It's not happening. She's not going to come to church. She's not going to get all these good values. But I love what I see with what Christians have, and I love the values that they have. Uh, I just wish I could have them. I just don't want the Jesus part, but I just want the values. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's essentially his conundrum. And I'm like, yeah, but you need the Jesus part. It's actually like the Jesus part, which gives you the values part. If you just try and be good and kind, you can. I mean, it's not like you can't. But it's different when you've got the Spirit of God within you. Now, folks, we all have the same challenge. Uh, when we receive Christ, there's something which is transforming from within us. The Spirit of God is working within us. But we still have to cooperate with the Spirit. There's a challenge in us, which in our body is saying, I want to do this. And the Spirit of God is saying, nah, maybe you should do this. So on a daily basis, we still have to choose. Okay, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the godly thing. I want to pursue God and uh, do, what's, do what's right. If you're following your sermon insert in the, in the bulletin, I want to talk about three pretty normal parenting things that greatly influence you know, how we shape uh, our kids' vibrant life with Jesus. Like three pretty normal parenting things that greatly influence shaping your ch child's vibrant relationship with Jesus. The first one is role modeling. I mean, it kind of goes without saying. Uh, you know, if you want your kids to inherit a vibrant faith, the most influential person in your kids' lives when they're younger is you. 
And if they never see you reading your Bible, they never see you praying, they never see you asking God, they, you know, God's going to be like distant. But if they see you reading, they see you praying, they see you, you know, inquiring of the Lord, discussing the things of the Lord, that greatly influences your kids. So what I'm saying is, talk about faith, talk about Jesus with your kids, and not just you know, all the wins, but also all the struggles, and uh, include that with your kids. I would also say that you know, they will pick up pretty quickly whether your commitment to church or to, or, or to the Lord is a real commitment, or if it's just like, okay, we'll go when it's convenient, but when it's not convenient, well, you know, we won't. And in today's life, honestly, it's never convenient to go to church. I mean, it just isn't. Uh, it does take a certain amount of like commitment, like saying, okay, there's a hundred things that are awesome like this weekend, and look at all you awesome people. You're packing out the church. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you could be down at the beach, you could be doing it, mowing the lawn, you could do, be doing a lot of things. But this commitment to say, look, week in and week out, regularly, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to show up. Uh, and God blesses that. In fact, John Gargan, one of our uh, elders here, that's one of his spiritual mantra, mantras. He just says, just show up. 90% of church is just showing up. If you want to see God do great things in your life, just show up. You just show up. You don't have to be super spiritual. Show up. But, you know, when we read to our kids, we model uh, life with our kids, we share our lives together with our kids, uh, our kids just pick it up. We do life together with our kids. When we do life together and we have these moments where kids just pick up on something, you know, you can't plan every event in life. You don't know what's going to happen in church today. You know what they're learning today. But when you just show up, you do it together, it gets caught. It gets caught along the way, uh, and you experience stuff. You might be reading a book to your kids, and uh, they experience, uh, you know, or you jointly experience a, a significant moment, and that's precious. You know, when we were on this missions trip, we were in Asuna, and again, we having a group lunch, uh, the team that was with us, not planning anything spiritual. We are just finishing lunch. And as we're finishing lunch, again, I, I feel like the Lord said to me, want me to say something to our waiter. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> I mean, I just knew it was. You know, again, so like we, we're finishing here, and I, and I say to the waiter, I, I feel like God wants to say something to you. And she like stops, and she listens. And I tell her what I think is happening. Exact same response as the guy in Lisbon. She starts bawling. Then she starts kissing me. I mean, in front of everybody. I'm like, she's just hugging me and kissing me. I'm like, wow, I don't even know this girl. I've only been in town for a few minutes. She has some random stranger just like hugging me and kissing me and bawling her eyes out. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. You know, I love being a pastor. It's a pretty good, good gig. I mean, but you know, we did it as a team. So like a whole team is together and it's like, hey, we experiencing God moment that was unplanned, uh, it was just random, and it was awesome. And it's like that with parenting. I mean, if you're just together, you experience God and God's life uh, together. I mean, it's just the way it is. Second point is real quick. One verse in Scripture says this, 1 Corinthians 15:33. Bad company corrupts good character. One of the best things you can do with, for your kids is make sure they hang out with the right crowd. 
we all know, if you hang out with the wrong crowd, bad things happen. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science. Uh, strong suggestion that hanging out with other church kids is least choosing a crowd that's more likely to be a good crowd. Not guaranteed, but more likely. It's not guaranteed because your kid's there. But other than that, I mean, it's really it's pretty, pretty good. No, look, helping your kids choose good friends is a major parenting uh, responsibility. Help them. I want to talk about managing technology as I close up here, uh, because technology is a big deal. Um, in fact, I've got another picture there somewhere, the two kids on the phone. So we're at, um, you know, meals in Spain take like two hours, okay, and they all got kids. So this is kind of interesting to see how does parenting work. So, of course, the parents use technology. So these kids are going on their, on their phones, and it's a pretty awesome thing. They were just loving it, and they were laughing, and, and they were showing each other's phones. And, and so I asked the parents, I said, what, is it, what game are they playing? Oh, no, no, it's a video of Bible stories. And it was just these kids' favorite games. I mean, they watched them for hours, and they were sharing characters and the story. And I'm like, this is a good use of technology, right? I mean, two-hour meal, kids, like, super compliant, but they were using technology. What's interesting is in 2011, uh, a sociologist by the name of uh, Cal Newport, and he wrote a book called uh, Digital Minimalism, noticed this incredible correlation between anxiety and depression in teenagers, and the big upshot of his research was that there's a direct correlation between anxiety and depression and technology. And as he dug into it a little bit more, it was sort of along the lines of you know, Instagram and a friend posts something or Facebook, and everything's just perfect. You know, the, the pictures showing the best vacation, everybody's smiling, they all look gorgeous. And then the person, the friend looking is like, well, I'm a loser. My life doesn't look like that. And you know, I only have like 41 likes. And uh, you know, so nobody loves me, you know, or, or whatever. It's just a a different social animal for us to deal with. So here's some thoughts uh, on that for what they're worth, uh, raising kids with technology. Uh, one of the rules that we made with our kids, well, our kids were now in their 20s, so it was before cell phones were as prolific as they are, but we said, look, no computers in the rooms. Or today I'd say no cell phones. You don't, do, you don't take your cell phone to your room and start playing games on it. You do, if you're going to be on your cell phone, do it in the, in the living room. We do it together. Or uh, be in the environment where we can you know, share family time, even if it's sharing screen time. But no phones alone in the room. No telephones at dinner. Just You put your phone down when we have dinner together. I don't want to you know, texting while we're trying to eat and taking a... You know, I don't do it with you guys in the church. I don't take calls when I'm when I'm eating or texting when I'm eating, and I don't want you guys to be modeling that to your kids either. But what we are saying to our kids, especially our teenagers, hey, listen, when we text you, and we want to know where you are and how you're doing, it's your obligation as a teenager to respond. You need to respond to that text, because as parents, we want to know how you are and what, how you're doing. Uh, another good use of technology is, maybe you know this, but in Google Maps, you can share locations. So you can know where your kids are, and you can track them. And if your kid's 
turn that off, you know that they've turned it off, and it's like, okay, text, like, where are you? Why did you turn Google tracking off? I, I want to know where you are. And, you know, so kids could say, well, that's a little controlling. And you're like, okay, but who's paying your bill? You are the parent, right? I mean, you can take responsibility and uh, control the digital environment, managing the technology well. But I think another good way for parenting is to say, you know, what's the hottest app? app? How are you planning on using it? What's cool about that app? Uh, and particularly, I think, you know, parents need to get up to speed on the digital age. Uh, so, for instance, if you follow your kid on Instagram, you'll be amazed what your kid doesn't post on Instagram, knowing that you're following them. I mean, it's just amazing. And you can comment on, like, what is being posted. And uh, what I, I guess is what I'm trying to say with uh, managing technology is let's use it for good. I mean, it's not going away. We've got to use it for good. But you are the parent. Take control. You do have control of your kids, and you can manage technology. It does mean that you might have to get up to speed on it because your kids are probably a few steps ahead of you on it, but you can ask, like, which apps are you using? Why are they good? And follow your kids on social media. It's, it's, it's wholesome. It's good. It's, be it's beneficial. Let me just uh, close with that. Jesus, I just pray for our kids. Lord, we desire that our kids would grow up in faith, in you, Lord, that we can impart in them now the things and the values that we want to see uh, happen in the future, that they would not depart from your ways and your truth. And Lord, I do pray for empowerment for the parents, grandparents, and friends, that we can raise our kids up in a way that they love you and become the people with the qualities we, we were talking about earlier, so Jesus, I just ask that you would help each parent here, each grandparent, and Lord, uh, social circles, as we love and help and encourage and nurture our friends' kids and those that come to church as well. So Lord, I just pray your blessing. And, and Lord, I pray that our kids would come to know you at an early age. And Lord, that you would have such a strong relationship with our kids that they become self-motivated in you and develop faith in you. And Lord, that you would help them and guide them and be the strong influence in their lives. So Lord, I just lift them up in your name, Jesus. Amen.